Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Faces of RFR. I'm Eric Wells, and I am very, very excited to be sitting down with a, uh, another face of recovering from religion, Eric Finnegan. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, two Eric's today, so. <laughs> yeah, at least, well, at least we won't be saying one another's name, you know, like, this is it. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Now it's just uh, individuals. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing good, though. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Uh, super excited about how um, how quickly and how how much the support group side of uh, recovering from religion is is expanding, and you are a part of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be a part of it. It's a great organization. Yeah. So uh, tell us what uh, what do you volunteer for with um, RFR? So I do a couple things with RFR. Um, I started out doing calls and chats with RFR. But um, as I got more and more interested in RFR, I realized that I kind of wanted to go a different path. Um, so I also do some tabling with them. Right now, we can't do that because <laughs> the quarantine. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I find to be really important because I find atheist activism um, to be lacking in the public sector. I think it's really important for people to know that there's resources out there. And um, so our mission in that side of things is to try to get out to kind of diverse like festivals and events and just talk about RFR with the people. And then also the support group, which I find um, maybe even more gratifying because uh, the mission there is to, you know, help people that are struggling with maybe questions or, um, you know, just needing someone to talk to after uh, leaving religion. And so as someone who came from religion, uh, you know, I didn't really have a support group. So this has just been a really great experience to give someone something I didn't have during that period of time. Yeah, you know, that's exactly how I felt too. Um, uh, kind of coming out and under realizing I was an atheist in a very conservative area uh, Springfield, Missouri, but um, you are um, filling the role as the support group leader in Spokane, Washington, and it's a, it's a brand new group, about a month and a half or so old, and um, uh, got to have our first meeting. That was pretty cool. What did you think of that? I thought it was really good. Um, you know, it was interesting because uh, it was our first meeting and we didn't have much of a turnout locally and that's partially due to the fact that we did it online I think and you know everybody's quarantined so um, it's it's an interesting time I, I think that a lot of people are just starting to like figure out this whole online um, uh, meetup thing but uh, it was really good you know it was interesting talking to the people that were there though, because I found um, just, I mean, just even with the people that were there who are a part of the support group leadership, even their stories are just heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. And um, so even the people that have made it through and feel confident, you know, their stories are just as harsh and um, you know, needed help as well maybe not in that moment but you know it, it's interesting so. now you kind of mentioned uh, that you were uh, a part of a religious uh, organization where, where did you what's your story where did you get into and how did you come out of it so i grew up in a small town in northern idaho called Coeur d'Alene, and um 
I kind of bounced around when I was a kid, but through bouncing around, I went to a few Christian schools growing up. Um, and so I grew up like fundamentalist Christian. My parents weren't super extreme, you know, but I was surrounded with super extreme views. And because I went to school and stuff, that was my education. So, um, <laughs> Oh, you, I, you, went know, to, you went to a private school, like a religious yeah, school? Yeah. yeah, I went to a, a fundamentalist Christian school, wow. uh, you know, 6,000-year-old wow. earth. I uh, didn't learn about evolution until I left school. And um, I thought the earth was six. Well, I mean, I thought this earth was 6,000 years old until I actually, I dropped out of school because I just was like, the veil had been lifted, you know, <laughs> a little bit. So, Yeah. So you uh, you left school because you just couldn't you couldn't really swallow what they were teaching you any longer. Or? So it it's hard it's kind of hard to explain. Like I I left a Christian school because I became an atheist and I just couldn't handle it anymore. Then I went to public school and I was so far behind oh, um, yeah. in my class. Like I didn't know I you know I would have had to probably go back to a really really earlier grade and I just wasn't willing to do that. So I dropped out and got my GED. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, when I was, I, w I was 16 when I became an atheist and it was because I had been in Bible class and, you know, I've read the Bible front to back probably one and a half or two times. Um, and so I was in Bible class and, you know, they're trying to, the Bible teacher was trying to explain to me Noah's flood and I just could not wrap my head around it and you know you get to a point where it's like okay I'm not a kid anymore you know yeah, like yeah. I, I the the story doesn't add up you literally mathematically it doesn't add up but um even if it was like some kind of uh, allegory it doesn't add up and so I was trying to comprehend how if evolution isn't real that and there's you know billions of land species like how is that possible on a boat and after a while um you know i've always been kind of a questioning person i just annoyed the teachers to the point where that i was they wouldn't want me in their class oh wow you know and yeah. so um i had to seek alternative routes and i started finding stuff on the internet like uh, uh richard dawkins book and um that was i, I ordered um, the God delusion. And that was game over for me. But, yeah. you know, uh, Noah's flood, it got me too. It was the, the same story got me like I took and a lot for granted what they said, but uh, my uh, youth pastor um, told us that um, it before Noah's flood, it never rained on the earth. And I'm like, what? And, that was, and he said, yeah, there was this big bubble of water uh, and the, it broke and that's where all the water came from. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that makes absolutely no sense. So I think I didn't get out until I was 16, but, and he said that around like the time I was 12 or 13, but it, it kind of stuck with me. Like, this is not at all making any sense because we would definitely see some evidence of like some sort of firmament or whatever some sort of plastic bubble up there that uh, all the water was held in and to not rain ever yeah. like <laughs> yeah it's um it's really interesting like i so i bounced around a lot when i was a kid and i was exposed to 
a lot of stuff. Like my parents, like I said, they weren't super crazy with it. Um, and my, uh, my mom, my mom was very accepting of like gay people and, mm. and stuff like that. So there was already a little bit of contradiction just in my own household. Sure. And, um, I, I think that that for me was actually the biggest thing was that I knew my mom had a lot of gay friends and like they, you know, I would meet them and then I would go to these schools and see how they treated homosexuals and things like that. And that was really hard for me to swallow. Like I just couldn't, you know, it just did not equate for me. I didn't see that at all. So, um, that was a big thing for me. And then obviously like the science didn't make sense, but it was weird when you're in religion. And I don't know if this is how it was for you, but when I was in religion, um, I would always have a voice in the back of my head that was talking to God, you know, like I would always yeah. like, Oh, yeah. Oh, like, Oh, I, I found my keys. Thanks. Thanks God. You know, you look up and you're like, thanks God or whatever. <laughs> and um, it was, it's just, even at the moments of my like quote unquote doubt until I realized there was no God, uh, even in my like moments of doubt, I still prayed. I still felt like there was a God mm -hmm. above me or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so it never really left, you know, like the religion never really left until I read the God delusion. And um, at that point, uh, I, I, it just didn't make sense. Like it, sure. it was, it was weird. It was like seeing through, uh, it's like what, you know, Plato's allegory. Like once you see it out of the shadows and you see what's really going on, you can't really put it back in the box. Yeah. And it, that's it, how it was for me. So it's, it, it's all, it's kind of goes to the, the fact that, or the, the, the understanding that, um, you can't change your beliefs. Like I cannot, all of a sudden believe in a Jesus now. It, it, uh, I can't put that uh, back into Pandora's box or anything like that. Um, it, it's, it's not a choice any longer. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I, and I cannot go back and believe it unless there is some extremely compelling evidence, which I've not seen any of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting when you meet, um, like I have, you know, Christian, I went to, because I went to school with a bunch of Christian people, I have friends that became pastors and I have friends that um, are probably atheists, but they won't admit it to themselves. And then I've got friends that are like super Christian. And, you know, so there, there's like this huge mixture of people that left school and became whatever they became in life. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of people try to bring me back right. and I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. <laughs> like, it's not possible. Like it's not. It's not that it's not possible, but it's pretty much as close to that. <laughs> like, you, like you said, it would have to be overwhelming evidence. <laughs> and for me, it's. It would be like them saying, "Like Eric, just believe in uh, ghosts or something." You know, like yeah. I can't just do that. It doesn't make sense. And. Um, it's like, and I, like the Keebler elves died for your sins or something. Just, <laughs> yeah. What. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And so, um, once again, I don't know how this was for you, but when I left the religion, I was pretty angry. You know, I felt a little deceived, not only by, um, you know, my like immediate family who I, 
I thought they were messing with me. I thought there was no way they could believe this. You know, I just right. didn't, I didn't understand how it was possible that they believed it. Um, but I also felt like maybe I was being deceived by everybody or something. You know, I had this whole experience growing up of believing something that wasn't true. Right. And um, that's an interesting thing to come out of. Yeah, I felt lied to and I was angry about it, but I, there was nobody to blame. I couldn't blame anybody. They were just doing what, what they were told and back and all to eons. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was really angry and felt really lied to. Could totally relate to that. Yeah. 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 So I, I was, I was really angry for a while, you know, and yeah. then um, I started to have a little bit more compassion, I guess, um, for the people that are in that. And I mean, I can be a little like rude sometimes still to, <laughs> especially to people that I know really well, like my parents, I'm just like, come on guys, you know, but, um, but it made me start to realize that, uh, you know, it's like we said earlier, you don't choose your beliefs. Yeah. It's something that you're either um, brought up believing or you have an experience that you just don't scientifically understand. And um, it's really important for there to be people that are willing to engage in a non-threatening way, yeah. non-demeaning way. Um, and that took a long time to understand but as I got to my like early mid twenties, I started to realize that that's how I wanted to be. You know, I wanted yeah. to be able to have conversations with people and um, not have it be an emotional conversation. That's like emotionally charged, just be able to talk about it. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I um, found RFR in kind of a, in, in a weird way because I, had this idea like oh my gosh what if i made a phone call line where people could just call me and just like ask me questions about um like science or something <laughs> yeah. from a religious from a religious standpoint yeah. Yeah. and and then i just like i was telling my wife about it and then uh we came across it online together rfr and i was like oh there, there's something like that you know <laughs> and so um I always come up with the invention after it's already been invented, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're like 10 years too late. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. uh, I've got this incredible, you know, if I put this tungsten wire inside of a vacuum, <laughs> it makes light. What? Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, so um, that, that was a pretty unique way to come about uh, hearing um, about RFR. Um, what uh, when you do volunteer kind of we talked a little bit about what do you get out of it when you kind of when you're volunteering for RFR that is a pretty um big question I think it's kind of hard to answer because it's not it might not be so pointed you know um there's been a lot that I've gotten already and I mean I haven't been with the organization for a super long time um but the one thing I, I really got was uh, a sense of like appreciation for other people because there's so many people that are just trying to help other people for just that reason. They just want to help. And um, 
seeing that with with this organization just so many awesome people that have come together um and you know i, I feel like i've met like a family almost i really do it, it, you know it, it's really yeah. awesome everybody's just so cool and so smart and so fun to talk to um so we all have got like the same goal we're all kind of on the same page you know it's, yeah I've, uh, I don't know about you, but I've experienced no bickering or, um, you know, there's been disagreements, but we handle it so, so incredibly well because we're all out for the goal of, of helping other people and not necessarily um, uh, being, uh, not necessarily a claim or something like that for ourselves. Right, exactly. I also think that um, it's cool to, to be around people who have, they know what it's like to be so convinced of something and then be wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what religion oh, is. Yeah. That, that's what religion is because yeah. once you go yeah. through that experience once or twice, or maybe three times in my case, like I've done that, like I, you know, I've done other things where I was like adamant, this is how it is. And then I've been super wrong. So once you go through that experience, um, it's a lot easier to bounce through ideas and try to break things down and um it's, it's a lot easier to be sure you know to investigate and that that your your claim and be sure that you're right or something but i loved how you put that it just even the timing of it was just like yeah i, I it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's um it's interesting another thing that i i've really gotten out of rfr is like it's like an antidepressant for me Oh yeah. And and that's the truth because yeah. um I personally I feel like there's just I, there's a lot of things in the world that I would love to see changed. Mm -hmm. I think religion is at the core of a lot of those things. Yeah. And so if you're able to help people um you know like for the listeners our goal is never to try to force a belief on someone that's already been done to them. So our goal is to try to help people reason better, right? Our goal yeah. is and be there if they need to talk, but our goal is to just help them investigate their ideas and beliefs and then, you know, work through that on their own. And, um, and so it's really good to be able to find people that, want help investigating those beliefs and then try to maybe help them figure work their way through it bounce ideas like yeah. be able to ask non-threatening um, questions and see what they think of that and then maybe they hang up and come back later or they leave the meeting and then come come back next week and they're they had time to really think about it and work through it the more that people do that in general, the better the world is because I think that it um, is able to bring a little bit of empathy to, you know, them. They, they can like learn empathy a little bit. And so, yeah. I love it. Um, so what, uh, I, I guess we kind of answered this, like what would keep you going? What keeps you going? And, and you kind of talked about that already. With, um, with RFR or just in yeah. general? Just RFR, what keeps you going with RFR? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think what, you know, what, what really keeps me going is the idea that this could potentially change 
the world by a lot of people don't feel like they, they can make an impact on the world. Um, and so a lot of people just throw their hands up and they're like, you know, it's already in motion. Um, but every time that you tweak one little part of the world, it impacts it. So, you know, if, if you're able to help someone just maybe be happier, maybe they were struggling with family and they don't under, you know, they don't have anybody to talk to. They can't talk to their family, but they can talk to you and then they can bring that happiness to the world and that makes the world, the world a better place. So, yeah, I think you nailed it there. Um, I've, I've been, uh, before stepping into this position, I was a support group leader for five years in Springfield, Missouri. And, um, those five years, you know, having meetings once or twice a month, you get to see people, you get to know people, you get to see them when they first walk through the door and then, um, see them, uh, you know, 10 meetings, 20 meetings later. And, they are better people because of it. They come in a nervous wreck. They come in full of doubt and confusion and pain. Um, and then over the course of X number of, of meetings uh, where we're all just kind of supporting one another and lending an empath- empathetic ear, um, they are all the more stronger for it. They are all the more secure for it. And um, life is better for them. They, they see life brighter than they did when they walked through the door. And I, I completely agree with you on that. And, uh, and it's something that keeps me going too. <laughs> like I could have walked away and have uh, um, been happy with the impact that was made by the, 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 the work, but I love it. I, I keep, it keeps me coming back for more. Like I can do more good. I can help more people. Yeah, I think that that's a, a really good point. You know, there's a lot of people that are hurting in the world and um, a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I think that right now we live in such a polarizing time and maybe it was always this polarized. I don't know, but it seems like it's a lot more polarized than it used to be. Yeah. And, um, and so like I have a friend who is kind of a conspiracy theorist and he's pretty um aggressive about it i guess and so him and i have had a few discussions on the conspiracy theories and things like that and you know he i never try to be a dick to him or anything or i don't know if i should say that but never try to be rude um (laughs) (laughs) I, um, i never try to be rude to him or anything i you know i try to use the same kind of um strategy as we do with RFR, which is just ask questions, try to understand and then work through things. And, um, you know, he emailed me last week and he said, you know, I'm just really struggling right now with everything that's going on because I am lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of people feel, you know, and for a lot of people, religion is able to bring a sense of community to people and things like that. And so um, when people make the decision, like they can't choose their beliefs. So when they start to realize that they're, they don't believe this anymore and then they don't know what to do because they don't have community anymore and they don't know who to talk to and who to turn to. So RFR might be one of the most important organizations in the country, you know, (laughs) so. (laughs) If not, that's not the top 10, the most important. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, so um, when you were coming out of religion, what was one of the hardest things you've had to overcome or one of the toughest struggles um, that you've dealt with uh, between coming out of religion and where you are now? So my answer is pro might be, I don't know if it's gonna be surprising or not. I think it'll be surprising. But when I left religion, it wasn't difficult for me to accept the fact that there wasn't a God that wasn't hard. Um, it didn't like I was saying that I used to just think about praying and you yeah. know you just always pray and things like that. That like, was it done. sounds like you weren't you, you didn't feel alone because you had your your buddy Jesus with you. Right. Um, so when I became an atheist, I turned that switch off. It didn't really I didn't pray anymore. It, it was it was kind of weird. Like I just totally yeah. was okay with it. Um, I was. I wasn't afraid to tell anybody. I was very vocal to my parents, my family, you know, all my friends, they all knew it like right away. So that wasn't difficult. And that's what I think it is difficult for a lot of people. I think now looking back on it, the thing that was most difficult was losing resentment and working through um, how I treated other people that were religious. That was the most difficult thing for sure for me. So sort of um, dealing with the anger of being lied to or? or... Um, I think that it was more like, I just couldn't understand how someone could believe this. Okay. And that used to make me really frustrated because it just what seemed so obvious or something to me. Um, and that's a really harsh way of looking at it in my opinion. So and, almost like uh, the folks who did believe were suckers yeah yeah you know like i just couldn't um i couldn't look at them with respect which sure. is really honest yeah yeah <laughs> and it, um it but it's just the truth like and working through that and like trying to lose that um I, resentment and you know and like start starting to this is just within the last like maybe five years where I've really started to be like, okay, you know, there's a reason for this. It's biological and, and, you know, and trying to work through um, loving people for who they are. And then if they don't ever want to talk about religion or whatever, just, just like still be okay with it. And um, not like proselytize atheism, basically, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that was really hard for me, but um, that's something that I'm, you know, like I, I really am glad that I was able to work through because it's given me the opportunity to um, be like kind, caring, loving, all the things that uh, Jesus would have wanted or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Uh, and, what would Eric do? That's yeah, exactly. Do. So it gives you the opportunity to be the kind of, um, to be a voice for atheism in a way that is genuine and kind hearted. And um, hopefully that's how people see it. And then um, being able to, you know, people can see it and see that we're not like these, you know, bloodthirsty heathens yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how would you describe your current beliefs? I know you mentioned uh, atheists, at the, you know, when you kind of came out, where, where, where do you kind of stand now? I'm 
pretty strong atheist. Um, I, you know, I am, I, so I, I know that in the atheist community, a lot of people try to hold out, you know, that last little bit just for good measure and things like that. I have a pretty good understanding of physics and biology, and I just don't think that those two things can be rationalized together. So um, as far as a deistic God goes, maybe, you know, like I, I'll hold that out for like two or 3% or something. Um, but uh, any other like God of the Bible or Islam or Judaism or anything like that, um, is pretty much out of the picture for me. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people find that materialism or philosophical materialism as it's called, um, or naturalism. naturalism. Yeah. A lot of people tend to see that as a, like a dry, empty way of looking at the world. Yeah. I totally disagree. <laughs> I mean, when I look at the universe and can like, look at just light just the interaction of light you know like how electromag electromagnetism works and how like amazing that is like the the physics of the universe when you look at that and can just kind of scratch the surface of understanding <laughs> it is the most it's way crazier than a god i mean the whole like concept behind physics is nuts and it's beautiful yeah. and it's profound and you can look out in the world and see this crazy experience that's life and you get something huge out of it. You know, it's like, it's really beautiful. And I think that being able to be okay, that the complexity of life happened by whatever accident that happened. Um, wow. We are lucky. You know, we are so lucky and we should be able to take the time to look out in the world and really appreciate and like be here now instead of looking into the future and hoping for something that might not ever come. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I couldn't agree with you more when I became an atheist, I have always had a sense of wonder and wonder and I've always loved science. But when, when I realized I was an atheist and I realized this is all we have, there's nothing beyond it. There's no supernatural, et cetera, et cetera my sense of wonder was just magnified uh, even more. And, um, uh, and I, I love it. I love this sense of wonder and awe. And I, it's the closest thing I feel like I could get to being quote unquote spiritual because this, this sense of awe, this uh, um, uh, plugged into an incredibly complex machine and partially being able to understand it a little bit is, is amazing. Last night, uh, my, my wife and I were down uh, south in Colorado Springs, and she said, oh, look, there's a blinking light over there on the mountains. I'm like, yeah, that's a, a helicopter pad, and it's a rotating light. And she's like, what? Yeah, just you only see it when it, uh, the light's facing you. I'm like, oh. So she got that, and I said, that's exactly what a quasar is, a pulsar is out in the unit. She's like, what? I'm like, yes. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, I got to experience that sense of wonder through her and, uh, and it just is fantastic, fantastic experience. Yeah. I, I live in North Idaho, as I mentioned before, and we live in like the mountains kind of, yeah. and on a clear night, 
it is crazy what you can see up here. I mean, <laughs> the amount of stars is just totally mind boggling. And I actually have a, um, an observatory, like a little space observatory. Like a, it's actually not little, it's very big. That's cool. Yeah. And, and um, so I have a space observatory and I mean, when you like look up there, if you're not losing your breath a little bit, you know, <laughs> you're not doing it right. I know. I remember when I uh, was shown my first binary star, I'm like, what? Those two things are spinning around each other? That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and they're how far away? Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it's like um, every time that, you know, I mean, just, I don't know if you saw this the other day in the headlines, but there was a, 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 a big black hole that swallowed a little black hole and they, yes. they, they felt it in the, um, the LIGO. LIGO. Yeah. So, um, and oh. when you see stuff like that, that is like seeing God, you know, I mean, it really is. It's like that. It, it's so exciting. And, and they got a picture of a black hole and this is all stuff that, I mean, was theorized less than a hundred years ago. You know, that we would never be able to uh, yeah. experimentally uh, validate this. Totally. And when, when they flipped on those LIGO uh, telescopes uh, and um, within a week just had their first test, they're like, no way, this is not possible. <laughs> it was so incredibly exciting. We have only been able to, to uh, view the universe through like, the um, electromagnetic spectrum, that is it. That is all we've been able to do until we turned on LIGO and it's completely different way. Oh, yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. Every time a new thing comes out from LIGO, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I know, and then now soon they're gonna be launching up the new telescope, the James Webb telescope, which yeah. is just like, I mean, I've been, they, they were supposed to do that last year. I yeah, mean, hopefully, yeah. hopefully they do it because this is another, huge adventure in science and i think that this is one of those things like the fact i mean where we are right now in physics and and in science um our understanding is so crazy to comprehend i mean the fact that i mean just mathematics the fact that we understand mathematics and like came up with a way to measure things is crazy in itself but this experience is so cool and exciting and every day we're learning so much and we as an individual can if you want to learn something like there's you'll never run out of things to learn as an oh. individual so um yeah that that excitement of just like an un it's like a fountain of information that you you can never stop tapping you know right. Right. and um and and so that excitement and understanding really is what makes me want to help people with the struggle of coming out of religion. Because I think that a lot of times people are like, well, what do you live for? And it's like yeah. this, I mean, yeah. look at all of this. We live for this. It's, you know, it's so exciting. And um, if we could help people find that wonder, maybe there would be less war and less fighting and and more people trying to go after understanding and trying to achieve more scientific things instead of spending you know 40 percent of the budget on military stuff we could be spending 40 percent on space i mean holy 
smokes, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we would be spending more time sharing and exploring and discovering and less time fighting over resources. Um, yeah. It was more time uh, solving problems. Um, yeah, but uh, so um, th- we could go on talking <laughs> yeah. about science. I kind of get that. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. It's one of my favorite topics and stuff. And uh, I think that would make this interview like three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe three days. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so amazing out there. And, but um, so uh, what do you, I'm going to switch switch tracks a little bit. What do you like to do? And like, tell me a little bit about you. What do you like to do in your free time? What do you like doing for a living and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So for a living, I build custom cabinets and furniture. Um, it's pretty awesome. I, you know, I, Never thought I was going to do that for a living, but I do. And um, you have your own cabinet shop and everything with like the planer and the. the yeah, so it, it's me and one other guy, and it's you know it's not a huge shop, but it's um, like you know, we do really high end custom stuff, and it uh, you know it, it's like fun cabinet. It's not it's not like uh out of the box you know right. like we we do everything from rough lumber so it it's it's a lot of fun and artistic i guess so it keeps me interested in, in uh work you know at least i can do something that i enjoy doing for work um but outside of that i sounds really, like you need to explore your uh your creative side yeah this kind of work it, it's not rote it's it's a lot of problem solving and and stuff like that is that, is that, is that absolutely right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the, I, like Paul, he's kind of my mentor and he is just amazing. Um, he literally, uh, I, I don't know, like the stuff that he does to me is way more incredible than what I do. I build everything and finish everything, but he does all the design. So he can like go into a house and then pull a bunch of measurements and then somehow at the end of the job everything fits and that to, you know, the, that to me is amazing i know it's, it doesn't sound like it should, but it that is amazing so because um, yeah, you're not like building in uh, a 12 foot long unit you're building individual pieces and they all have to yeah add up to fit into that space yeah and things change and it's yeah. not like you know it's it's not like everything is like okay we need one three foot cabinet a six foot cabinet you know it's it's like we need one that's like three foot six uh you know uh uh five sixteenths and and then this one needs to be you know so it's like really down to the hair and uh you're filling spaces so if it's like an eighth inch short then it doesn't fit because now there's a gap on the wall so to me that's what's amazing is he's able to just go in there and pull all these measurements and like get everything to fit perfect like uh, i don't know i think it's incredible so um yeah so that's my day job but then outside of that i i'm an outdoor enthusiast um as i you know you can probably imagine i really like to see nature space you live in the idaho mountains you better get out there and enjoy it crying out loud yeah it's um it's amazing i i'll go backpacking and you know i'll hike in somewhere like 20 miles or something and to the top of a mountain and then you just get there and you look out and you're like i could literally explore yes this patch of land for the rest of my life and not even touch it you know there's so much land out there to explore so there's that and then um i love to read 
you know, reading is a big passion of mine as well. So what, um, uh, what is one of the books that, uh, you really enjoyed uh, reading that you, that maybe that kind of surprised you that you enjoyed it as much as you did. Oh, one that <laughs> totally surprised me was uh, Karl Marx. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I did. I when I went into reading Marx, I thought I was. I I did it because I had a friend that challenged me to do it because he yeah. thought that I was kind of um, speaking ignorantly about something I didn't know anything about, and I totally was. And then I read it and I was like, "Wow, this guy was way ahead of his time and super intelligent." But um. Also, uh, Foucault. I don't know if you've ever re read Foucault. He was a, no, I haven't. Yeah, he's a philosopher. Um, and he wrote a book called um, Discipline and Punish. And it's just about the history of prisons. And oh, wow. It is really fascinating. It is amazing. I yeah. can't recommend that enough. Um, and then I think I told you about this one, but Order of Time by Carlo Rivelli. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you that, really liked, you were telling me how it felt like poetry, how he was writing it. Um, yes. But it still had some really deep concepts in it. Yeah, he's a physicist from Italy. And he wrote this book and I was expecting a physics book. And, uh, and not, I mean, I was fine with that. But the way that he wrote it was so poetic. I literally cried. I cried reading this book. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not ashamed. So yeah. So it, that one was, that one was probably actually one of the most memorable books. Like I have a feeling, uh, you know, I've read it more than once. Um, and then Sam Harris waking up. So I guess I'll, and then I'll stop because I can okay. go on. <laughs> yeah. That's but, another three day uh, discussion when we start going on. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I've got one, uh, one last question. Um, so if you could travel back in time and talk to your past self, uh, who would you talk to and what would you talk about? Hmm. That is, so any, do I pick the age or? Yeah. Any, you could have, you know, talk to yourself yesterday or talk to yourself when you were five. Okay. Hmm. That is a really tough question. I mean, it might be a stupid question too. I don't no, know. it's not a stupid question. It's not a stupid, it's a really good question. Um, but it's a really hard question because yeah. it's like one of those things where I don't want to, I don't want to mess up the, the, the direction of my life. But honestly, um, I think that if I, if I could go back and tell myself to do anything, I would have told my, myself when I was 16 and I dropped out of high school um, to pursue college. Mm. Um, that's something that I'm doing now and it's a little bit late. <laughs> yeah, it's not too late, but it's like, I would have loved to have gone when I was younger and yeah. been able to, uh, get a degree in something I'm passionate about. So do you feel like you would have been ready to go to college, uh, you know, at that point? Um, cause I mean, I'm talking for myself, like sure. I got out of high school, graduated high school and then tried to take three semesters in community college and I just couldn't hack it. I mean, uh, uh, I just wasn't ready for it. I just didn't take it seriously like I should have. And now that I'm older, I've got some more life experience and um, I, I am more prepared to, uh, to take some college courses. But my 18-year-old yeah. self wouldn't have been, wasn't ready at all. 
you're probably right. My 18 year old self definitely wouldn't have been. Um, so maybe I, I would have told myself four years ago to go uh, because I think I would have been ready four years ago, but I kept on putting it off because I was just like, you're too old. You know, what's the point? Uh, and, yeah. and so I, at least I'd be done now, you know? Um, and it's kind of funny. I still had that mindset up until six months ago, maybe. And then I had a, someone on my podcast who's like a philosopher and an instructor and he was like dude you should definitely go <laughs> and i was like damn it okay i'll go <laughs> you know <laughs> so, yeah yeah so you've got a podcast you want to talk about it about it uh yeah so i've got a podcast called mind melt podcast and um we just talk about everything like science philosophy mostly um i've had some pretty cool guests on there um and you know it it's a it's just kind of a passion thing for me like i love to pick people's brains on stuff yeah. especially when they're um you know i especially when i can barely understand what they're saying they're so smart you know <laughs> so <laughs> um so yeah it's it's a fun little project and um if you want to check it out it's just mind melt podcast so and where else could uh, people if people wanted to follow you on social media where else could they find you uh, you can follow, I guess, my Facebook page. It's called Mind Melt Podcast on Facebook. Um, and then I guess uh, any social media, I have that um, as the tag. So, Awesome. Eric, I really appreciate the time that you've taken to sit down with me. And um, it's been great getting to know you. I, I love talking with folks like yourself and uh, kind of see what makes you you and what makes you tick and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you, man. Yeah, of course. I enjoy our conversation every time we talk, Eric. <laughs> You're one of the good ones. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Well, um, if you are in the uh, Spokane area of Washington, um, there is a meetup group for you led by this handsome gentleman here. And uh, he does a fantastic job. Take it from me because I've watched him do it. Uh, but uh, look for the meetup group at uh, Spokane, uh, Washington area. And um, otherwise, you can find Eric around on the interwebs. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, Healing, and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering From Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering From Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering From Religion podcast.